Hello, and welcome to Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Credera. Here we discuss hot topics in business and tech with our colleagues in an effort to share our collective insights with you. My name is Emily Crawford. I'm part of our management consulting group, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, we're talking about the rise of low code in MarTech. It used to be that when companies needed new information systems, they had to hire a developer or use off-the-shelf software. Now, however, there's a third option, low-code or no-code applications. But how do you know when they're right for your organization? To dig into this topic, we have three MarTech experts that I'm excited to introduce you to. Sean Donnelly, Head of Product at Learning Experience Alliance, previously MarTech Alliance, Dan Allen, Managing Consultant at Credera UK, and Vikup Jan, a partner at Credera US. Thank you all for being here today. Would each of you please give a brief hello and a statement or two about what you do? Sean? Hi, everybody. It's, uh, it's lovely to be here. I'm head of product at LXA, and I'm also a course instructor at LXA. And I've spent my career in the management and delivery of executive level marketing education, both in academia and in industry. So I've spent a number of years working at a university uh, in Ireland, where uh, we would have been at the forefront at the time of digital marketing training in Ireland. And uh, so we we led a lot of executive master's programs in digital marketing. And then we also did a lot of industry engagement with SMEs. And now I'm at um, LXA, where we're very much focused on marketing uh, technology education for, for marketing professionals. Thanks, Sean. Dan? Great, thank you, and thank you for having me on today. Uh, so I'm Dan Allen from Credera UK, uh, specialising in MarTech. I'm a MarTech subject matter expert uh, from a technical perspective uh, with industry knowledge from agency side, client side, and consultancy side. Uh, one of my main focuses at the moment is on uh, the area of low-code, no-code, implementing and enabling uh, the marketing team uh, to make best use of their technologies. Thanks, Dan. Nicole? Uh, thanks, Emily. Um, Vikal Jan, quick introduction. My core focus here at Credera US is MarTech enablement. Uh, just a bit of background on me. I grew up um, as a technologist, have been doing this for about 20 years or so. This topic is really interesting for me because uh, I've spent almost two decades building custom applications and integration solutions. So I'm a bit on the other end of the spectrum, which is all code and customizations. Thanks, Pickle. Thank you all for being here today. I'm excited to chat with you about this topic. So we know that many leaders have been using this kind of low-code MarTech for ages. So why is no-code such a big thing now? Maybe I can uh, begin with why I wrote the uh, no-code article uh, earlier on this year. And it all predominantly came about uh, because of a comment made in an article written by the godfather of MarTech, Scott Brinker. Uh, which was published in January of this year. Um, and he was naming no-code as one of the three big MarTech innovation themes for the year. And that got me to thinking, uh, whilst it's a big deal and, and uh, an area that's going to develop and evolve significantly this year, actually, it's been around for quite some time. Um, so I, I started to look into what, what was happening, what was the change, why was it going to be such a big thing uh, this year? Yeah, I would say the... The advent of no-code or low-code has been around for a long, long time. So if you think about when COBOL was invented, it was in the 50s. And the whole purpose of COBOL was to make it easier for business users to interact with machines and write the program in a way that was very similar to the English language. 
and as with all things in technology, you know, there are very few things that are brand new. So we have been evolving or reiterating concepts from early 1900s when the first computers came around uh, to now. So this has been a conversation that's inspired a lot of platforms in terms of how much flexibility do you give your end users to customize it versus business users to allow them to interact and make changes without having to know the underlying programming language. Makes sense. Sean, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's um it's it's an interesting question as if as if this idea of low code and no code is is brand new and like it's just happened. Whereas actually just in, in, in terms of um of what the guys have just said there, it's it's very much an evolution in terms of of early programming languages and those have become more accessible over the years and and this is just the 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 sort of latest iteration that like if you think of all sorts of other technologies that have become democratized and that's what we're seeing here with with programming languages as well so each of you are kind of commenting on how it's it's been around for a while but what i want to dig into is is no code the future for marketing teams in my opinion, and as per the article I wrote, uh, I believe it absolutely is. And actually, maybe not just the future, but but the present as well for a lot of organizations. And perhaps people that are using uh, no-code and low-code platforms are doing so not knowing that they're using uh, no-code and low-code platforms. And as Vic and um, Sean have both said, these types of platforms have been around for a long time, possibly more so in the some of the other IT areas. Uh, and MarTech might be one of the, the, the more recent um, development areas for, for low-code and no-code. But if we look at a number of platforms that already exist, um, the the capability is being put into the hands of the marketers with removal or reduction in the amount of code they're needing to write and the, the simplicity of, of drag-and-drop solutions or, or voice-to-text um, technologies. And, and I guess the other area that I think is, is driving this a little bit more now is uh, the, the cons- constant uh, evolution and improvement of AI. Uh, and technology taking advantage of of uh, AI technology. Yeah, I, I think um, that's interesting. Like, I I, re- I remember working with an insurance client about ten years ago, and they had a number of different insurance brands, and the marketing team weren't able to make any changes at all to their website without getting approval or without their IT colleagues kind of looking after that stuff even though at the time their websites were actually built on WordPress. And so if you've ever used WordPress, you'll know that there are two different interfaces. There's like the text-based interface and you can you can make whatever changes you want and then you can switch to HTML and you can see what you've just written in HTML language. And so in a sense, sort of no code has been around for quite a while and marketers are using tools like WordPress in terms of content management systems, but then also things like landing page builders and stuff like that already. And I think it's worth mentioning that um, just in case people might be intimidated by learning something new, it's actually worth contextualizing that they're using some of these things already. Yeah, and I would agree that no code or low code platforms are very much the present, Um, not in the future. I, I think it's going to be a bit different. So if you look at how Salesforce came to the forefront and why it was so successful. It was because of the fact that it didn't require folks to know anything about the underlying platform or how to customize it. It gave them tools um, 
anything was, you know, a click away. But if you also look at the education system in the U.S., um, there is an increased focus on STEM education. And so kids today, you know, even in third, fourth, and fifth grade are learning how to program. And I wonder, as these kids form the next generation of workers, if that skill set is going to be an expectation for most professional jobs. And what I envision is not, you know, what it was like in the 80s or 90s with people programming in C++ or uh, Pascal. It it would be more um, modern languages that, that don't require folks to know deep machine um, language specifics. It's going to be a little bit higher level than that. But the expectation would then be that one is able to interact with machinery, with um, programming, even AI models based on what they have learned in their education system. So in my mind, I almost wonder if the pendulum is going to swing back the other way a little bit to say, hey, the platforms that are going to be most successful are ones that give a good balance of the low code interface and uh, to Sean's point, the WordPress like environment where they can switch into the the programming interface and customize it even more. That's a really fun thought, Vic. Thinking about the next generation. And I think um, I think the point that Vic made is really important. Uh, the platforms uh, that we're seeing at the moment absolutely have that um, capability to to switch back, or those that don't, those that are trying to be oversimplified, um, uh, actually offer limited potential and limited capability, and we see. Uh, clients moving away from those as as their MarTech uh, requirements evolve. But I think maybe to contextualize it for our listeners um, around um, uh, an example of a fairly basic uh, campaign, let's talk about an email campaign, for example, uh, where they may be engaging or interacting with low-code or no-code platforms already without realizing it. So if we think about initially, we need data. So uh, a drag and drop interface where we can integrate data from a source and bring it into a MarTech platform uh, by dragging and joining uh, and making links of the data. Uh, historically, that would have been done using SQL or another data language, uh, but now we have an interface which allows us just to drag and drop. Um, a visual sort of segmentation tool where we can visualize our data and select those that we think are the most uh, suitable by just clicking on and dragging uh, data segments or dragging on uh, attributes and choosing specific targets uh, would enable us to create a segment that we might want to communicate to. Uh, an AI platform which uses voice description to create copy or create um, assets, images, or identify the most relevant images for the requirement. Again, that historically would have required uh, graphic designers um, and uh, HTML developers. And then uh, we, we have workflow tools, which actually are one of the most common uses of no code at the moment in the MarTech space. Uh, a workflow tool which we can develop a, a automation journey um, and uh, execute the uh, the journey. And then towards the other end, a visualization platform where we can understand uh, the insights and the an analysis that we get from uh, our campaigns. So we can explore the outcomes, understand how things are done and optimize the journeys. So these are all things that we're doing, uh, marketers are doing every day using uh, platforms, uh, dragging and dropping, and uh, all of these are no-code examples. Yeah, Vic Alp, I, I like Vic Alp's comment there about STEM education and, you know, wondering what students will need to learn in the future to be able to navigate some of this space. And, 
it's something that I've been thinking a lot about uh, recently at LXA because you know we want to equip marketers with the the skills that they need to to succeed in their careers. And so, something that I've been thinking about is okay, if we want to teach, in my case, marketers about low code and no code, well then maybe we need to take a step back and think about okay, let's take a moment to think about, for example, what a program is. And, and what programming is, programming being the process of converting an idea into instructions that a computer can understand and execute. And we can extrapolate on that. And um, Dan mentioned visualization. So can we visualize a process and prepare um, an algorithm um, which we can build into functional specifications and, and think about things like user experience design? And if we can think about all of those things, which are kind of things we can write in English uh, and we can explain those things. But if we can embed a foundation of of that knowledge, um, user experience design, uh, functional specifications um, and algorithmic thinking, then we have a great potential to 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 give people the skills that they need. So when we think about how this is impacting for example, our clients today. What are some of the biggest changes that you all see within the marketing and IT departments? You know, I, I can go first. Um, one thing I see from the consulting vantage point is that there is a, a very natural tension between marketing and IT in terms of ownership and governance. And I think that's a big reason why the low-code, no-code platforms have been so successful because it allows folks to sidestep that that natural tension and, and not get into the conversation about ownership and decision-making. And by the way, this isn't um, just related to MarTech. This debate is, is almost as old as dirt because what tends to happen is when marketers want to bring in technology and the IT group hears the phrase technology, they automatically want to get involved because they they deem it as, as their domain and they want to have their fingerprints over how the software is selected, how it's governed, how it's maintained. And that generally wouldn't be an issue except marketers want to run at their own pace. And so this this the challenge becomes, you know, is are we inventing a ticketing system where anytime a marketer wants to do something, that's a ticket into the IT shop that takes anywhere from a couple of hours to a couple of weeks to resolve. And so the whole genesis of this, in my opinion, is is um, increasing speed to market. And, and, you know, we talked about the email campaigns as an example, you know, how quickly can can we get an email out? Um, and how much reliance and dependency do we have on other people in the organization to be able to do that? If the marketers are able to do it themselves, that's their ideal state. They want to be able to get things out fast. Um, and I believe that's largely what's driving it. But we also see a, a change in the operating model where marketing technologies are being incubated and governed under the CMO versus the CTO. And I think that's changing the landscape quite a bit because now the marketing organization is, is fully empowered to select the tools they want and 
execute the campaigns they want on their timeline without having to incorporate the larger dependency on the technology organization. Marketers wanting to get to market fast and IT wanting to be involved in technology. That's not a new thing? Not at all. You could you could write through there with that point about the yeah, marketers versus their their IT colleagues. I guess um, for marketers, no code can can do more than just sort of boost their their productivity. It can make marketers feel empowered by giving them the ability to to perhaps identify tasks that can be automated. So there's a workflow aspect, um, create different kinds of applications and they can be sort of internally facing applications or externally uh, facing applications um, and then do sort of more interesting and and fulfilling work. And I, I guess from a leadership point of view, something that I would think about is that what's good for marketers, you know, because there is this friction sometimes between IT colleagues and, and marketers, but what's good for marketers is also good for uh, their organization and the, and vice versa. Dan, I think you talked a little bit about that in your article about this idea of freeing up time for more important things. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And and I echo everything that um, Vic and Sean have just said. Um, it, repeatedly, we're seeing, uh, I guess, a sense of freedom um, from, from the marketing team, but then a sense of uh, fear, perhaps, from, from IT initially, um, or a fear of, of loss of control. Um, and uh, as Vic and Sean have both said, it, introducing no-code or low-code platforms into an organisation uh, doesn't mean that the marketing team are bypassing IT entirely. Um, it means there's a change of dynamic, exactly as Vic has described. Um, and uh, yes, marketing will end up end up with a more autonomy uh, and less of a dependence. But it does mean that the IT the IT teams can um, focus on higher priority things. They won't be drawn into um, uh, a support ticket to uh, reset a password or or uh, set up a new user or change a permission. And 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 that free freeing up of time um, extends to a number of other areas of business. So, insight analysts, for example, uh, historically, insight analysts I've seen have have um, excellent data skills, excellent SQL skills, and are often um, tasked with um, uh, a, a job such as um, could you find me a segment of everybody who has recently purchased something more than a hundred pounds in the last month. And, and that, that shouldn't be being uh, found out to an insight analyst. Um, that's the sort of thing that can be answered quite easily and quite quickly using uh, a no-code platform where the data is made available to manipulate, visualize, and segment. Um, so that will free up an insight analyst to spend more time really understanding the data, uh, creating models such as next best action, uh, and, and really drilling into the data so that we can have some very, very complex uh, models uh, which can be refreshed uh, in real time and draw out that next best action when somebody perhaps phones a call center for whatever reason uh, or, or uh, logs onto the website and wants to, wants to see their account and we can we can um, expose uh, a, a highly personalized um, uh, advert to them and, and this extends to data developers to to those that um, uh, are asked well, where's this piece of data? Can we integrate this piece of data? Actually, they can be farming data and, and pushing data into a structure, which then becomes accessible and easily manipulatable by the marketers using the no-code platforms. Dan, I'm curious, from your vantage point, do you think these platforms stifle innovation because they put 
boundaries around what can and cannot be done? It's a really good question. And I think um, the, the point that I was making in the article and we've just talked about now is, is freeing up uh, those innovative those people, those strategists, those those experts that can really work with data to do all of those innovation points, to really work hard on making things better, looking at all the possible opportunities. What these platforms shouldn't be doing is freeing up um, funds by removing those resources uh, and reducing the workforce. Um, the, these platforms are great for marketers, they're enablers, uh, but that uh, right now and i think for the foreseeable future we're going to still need those um those specialists those experts who can make sure that we continue to innovate dan i, I just to add to that like when i read your article uh, which was excellent i guess there's a few sort of key words that jumped out at me um there was sort of scope and scale uh, and skills and and speed so in terms of of that idea of is there potential for no code to limit um, innovation? Um, I think actually, if, if we think about scale and scope, um, uh, marketers can can take advantage and use no code tools to deliver uh, marketing specific tasks and campaigns and so on in a, in a faster and more efficient way. Uh, but then their development colleagues, um, they can then work on on bigger ideas that have bigger scale and, and more uh, strategic uh, importance perhaps um and and then in terms of of skills then we're talking about sort of marketers having the skills uh, to to do some of the marketing related tasks that they used to have to outsource to it colleagues who might not necessarily have identified themselves as marketers or maybe even always understood uh, the use or the, the business case whereas marketers can now focus on those tasks and then their their it and development colleagues can focus on sort of more higher level and strategic activities you know one part that we haven't quite touched on is the ethical and responsible use of data so if you think about the low-code and no-code platforms, we are putting a lot of trust in those systems to take um, you know, the, the responsibility over the use and dissemination of that data and to secure it. And oftentimes in the marketing world, we're dealing with PII information. It's, it's you know, behavioral analytics, it's transactional data. You can essentially create an entire profile of someone's life just based on how they, what sites they browse and, and what products they buy. Um, this wasn't as much of a challenge when companies were incubating those, those needs and those tools within their confines. And so the, the ethical responsibility was with the individual users of that data. Now, if you think about big corporations like Google or Salesforce, they have access to an enormous amount of data from other companies and we're essentially putting the trust in them to ensure that a they make good use of that that information they conform to their terms and conditions and um, they're securing it so that there isn't a data breach that exposes potentially billions of records to parties that may not want to do anything good with that information. 
I'm glad you brought that up, Vekop, because you all were making this sound a little too good to be true, to be honest. So it sounds like there are a few things to consider. What what are those considerations that CIOs and CMOs should have when they're thinking about a no-code or low-code platform? I think, um, as you've said, Vicout really um, hit the nail on the head there. And um, what, one of the key parts to implementing a platform where we're, where we're putting more power and more control into the marketers is, is the education piece. Um, the platform may be simpler to use and learning how to use it and, and, and navigate around and make, make best use of it um, is, is key at the beginning. But I think a, a real focus on um, the importance of governance, on the importance of, of following process, um, and making sure that things like QA, uh, quality assurance, uh, isn't skipped, isn't removed, um, isn't ignored. Uh, and those those governance points, those processes are followed. Um, and I think a big education piece for those users on the importance of understanding the impact of, of what they're doing, uh, the availability of the data uh, and so on. And I think this brings, brings in the question we had around CIOs and, and IT teams, technology teams, um, and uh, where they are very likely to want to be involved is around the, the governance, the data security. Um, a lot of these platforms we're looking at are cloud-based. Um, they will want to know where is it hosted? You know, is it in a secure um, cloud? Is it in which region is it in based on their geographical location? Um, and also a, a real focus on sort of user-based permissions, access to specific data, um, and a number of these platforms have safeguards in place. So uh, a communication a co uh, you know, campaign cannot be activated, cannot be sent before approval's been um, been undertaken. So I think making sure, based on what Vic Help has, has just talked around, that we don't just enable a marketing team with a platform, but we go through the necessary implementation, configuration, uh, governance and process stages. Um, is, is, is key to making sure that, that everybody stays safe. Let's talk a little bit more about this idea of governance. So we've, we've talked about that tension between IT and marketing. Who owns these tools that seem to be a hybrid of those two areas? Yeah, I think from my vantage point, there there's two questions there. Once, one is who oversees the, the, the daily or the upkeep of that tool. And the second question is who gets to operate it? And I think those are distinct questions. In terms of, if you just think about that platform as, as, as infrastructure, then it totally makes sense for the technology group to be involved in the care and feeding of it to ensure that it's available, it meets the SLAs, it's um, secure. But in terms of how that tool is operated and what it's used for, the less technology or IT can be involved in it, the better, more efficient marketing ops we would get as a result. Now, that's not always true for every aspect of marketing, especially when, once we get into data science and AI, you, you, you do need technologists involved in order to create those models and, and execute them, but for the parts that we're talking about that are no code or low code, the best thing IT can do, and I, I say that this as a technologist, is get out of the way and let the marketers do what they need to do in order to serve the business. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly from an LXA point of view, you know, in, in terms of the in in marketing, we increasingly see these, um, you know, marketing operations team um, where, where where marketers are making use of some of that marketing technology. And so deciding how marketing technology needs to be managed is something that uh, marketing leaders need to grapple with, but but still with support from their technical colleagues, because I guess the guidance is that uh, marketing needs to be able to use the technology in their strategy and tactics. Um, but perhaps the the sort of the technical implementation and compliance piece can remain part of IT. But increasingly, there is this sort of interface role uh, where we have uh, the marketing technologist or the marketing operations specialist who probably re reports to the head of marketing or the CMO um, because that's where the technology is being used, but they might have a dotted line then uh, to the CIO or CTO. And, and we see that role is becoming increasingly valuable because it's their job to make sure that the, the data supply chain is, is set up uh, in order to be able to to come back to the point that Dan mentioned, to be able to sort of personalize um, or customize at scale in an appropriate way. And I think um, when whenever we've uh, worked with um, uh, clients and supported them in implementing new uh, Martech platforms or solutions, um, we've always considered it from the point of technology, people and process. And I think that triangle is, is really key. So people understanding uh, what their role is. Um, during process, we would always work with um, the client to build out a ways of working approach so that everybody knows where their responsibilities lie, who's responsible for um, the, the governance, uh, creating new users, assigning permissions, using the technology, upgrades if, if such a thing existed on um, on the platforms. Uh, and making it really clear so that the, the organization is left with a situation where they, they know exactly who does what um, and where that line is. Um, and sometimes it overlaps, absolutely, but where that, that line is uh, between uh, IT and the mar marketing team. Thank you all. And we are going to have to wrap up soon. So I want to give you one more chance. If you could tell organizations one thing about this topic, what would you leave them with? For me, I think I would um, I would encourage marketing teams and IT teams to work together to embrace the change, to work out a new way of working so that IT teams and uh, marketing teams can work in harmony and uh, implement a platform successfully uh, and, and enable the mar marketing team uh, because, to be honest, everybody wins. Yeah, I, I think I just echo kind of what Dan has said. Like, if you listen to or if you read any of the the big analyst reports, you know, Gardner and Forrester and so on, they'll all say that um, low code and no code technologies are right in, in the sort of the bullseye right now for what um, uh, for what organizations need to think about and and the potential for business impact because. In the past, perhaps ideas were limited by computational scarcity. Um, and certainly for marketers, ideas might have been limited by skill scarcity. But but those two things are no longer or should no longer be issues anymore for organizations. And so it, it's a trend that's happening, whether organizations embrace it or not. And so the question is, 
or the question becomes, how do we empower a community of practitioners within our company to lead this kind of initiative? So that means enabling existing developers um, enabling perhaps a mix of developers and other business experts, um, such as organizations, um, or excuse me, such as marketers, uh, to work on, on cross-functional teams. And then think about enabling that sort of long tail of business experts and marketers to make better use of, of those technologies so that they can optimize workflows and create new tools. Yeah, and from my vantage point, you know, I'll borrow some of the phrases that you use, Sean. The talent and computational scarcity, totally agree that that is less and less of a concern. But, you know, my take on, on those two things is that organizations should continue to build core technology and not use the low-code and, and um, no-code platforms as an excuse for not investing in tech. Um, and the other part of that equation for me is ensuring that the next generation is inspired for investing in in marketing because right now they look at marketing as as a platform that or as an organization that that doesn't use a lot of tech savvy tools where they can you know um, employ some of the creativity that they have or perhaps skills programming skills that they have learned in college so as we continue to build this out it needs to also be a place or a, a destination for younger folks that are coming out of college and want to get invested into that organization. Well, there is certainly no shortage of considerations on this topic. It's obviously quite nuanced. So if listeners, you're interested in learning more about what's right for your organization, you can check out Dan's article that we referenced, which is available on Cordero's website. That will be on our insights page. And if you'd like to continue the conversation even further, feel free to reach out to us via our website as well. A big thank you to Sean, Dan, and Vicol for joining me today to discuss low-code and MarTech. Really appreciate it. Thank you to our listeners as well, and we hope you'll join us for another episode of Technically Minded.